This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. He's back by popular demand. I guess we're making this, you know, a weekly occurrence, but... It's a ton of fun to be going through and moving and shaking through every single NFL line or as many as we can with the great Jared Smith over at Sports Grid. It's nice enough to give us a couple of minutes. Jared, my boy, happy Friday. What's happening, dude? JJ, football Friday, always great. If, if this is you asking me to go steady here, brother, I accept, man. If you're going to put the corsage on and everything, weekly thing, I'm down, brother. Let's do it. Hey, listen, <laughs> a- anything to get the football moving and shaking, going Love a it. certain way. Good way to hey, start the week. Let's start with Thursday. I had the Dolphins plus the two and a half and on the money line. I love them here in this spot. They win the game going away. Uh, what was your initial lean, though, Jared, going into this Thursday night game? Did you the have Miami? Initial lean, yeah, well, it was Miami in the over. And, and for sure, Miami, if you were getting three points. And, you know, the way it started out, there was 21 points in the first, you know, quarter and I think like two or three plays of this game. So the over looked pretty good for a while. And then things kind of tailed off late. I think Minshew probably left a few points on the board there. You probably play this game 100 times, probably 75, 80 times it goes over. But it was just one of those times that it stayed under. But the Dolphins clearly the better side. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick showed on a short week that he's better prepared for this kind of situation than Gardner Minshew is at this stage of his career. I think the offensive line for the Jaguars got overwhelmed by a very aggressive and very talented uh, Miami front seven. And I think you saw the effects with Minshew throwing off his back foot, throwing interceptions late, kind of mismanaging the offense in a sense. And I think Fitzpatrick very efficient, only needed to throw 20 passes. Completed 18 of them. So an efficient performance on a short week by a veteran. And I think it's kind of what we expected, especially with this Miami team 0-2. And I think that's going to be a familiar trend this week, J.J. The 0-2 teams, not only straight up, but also against the number, probably getting a little more inherent value in the marketplace. Yeah, I wanted to get to that. That was my next question. So I've seen over the last four years, Jared, teams that are 0-2 against the spread in week three are 22-7. Yeah. Against the spread. And over the last 10 years, if you want to watch your sample size, 47 and 28 hitting at 63% these teams that are 0-2 against the spread. So, like, as you were going through all of the games and you're researching week three, is that a trend that you're very aware of, mindful of, or do you kind of take it for what it's worth? I think you look – I think it's one of those things that you need to know but not necessarily use. Like, it's a good tool to have in your arsenal when you're handicapping a game. It's something you definitely want to know. Hey, this team is 0-2 going up against a team that's 2-0. and Hey, this team is 0-2 ATS. They haven't covered yet, so their number has been wrong two weeks in a row. Going up against a team that's 2-0 and ATS, the number has been right 
two weeks in a row. Now, it's not necessarily something that's going to factor into your handicap when you get to your conclusion, but it is absolutely, it's, I kind of treat it almost like the weather, JJ. You want, you want to know what the weather is for every game. It doesn't necessarily mean the weather is going to have a factor in every game. So it's definitely a tool. And I think there are a couple games this week where it does hold true. There's a few where it doesn't. I would say the Jets Colts game is one where it probably doesn't hold true. Uh, I would say the Browns Red uh, Washington game is another one where it doesn't hold true. Where are 0 2 ATS teams. It, maybe they don't have that quite incentive, maybe not that quite that same value that some others do, but there are some matchups that I think do have it. And I think the, the Texans-Steelers uh, game is the one that really stands out to me because not only is that 0-2 ATS for, for Houston, but that's 0-2 straight up uh, going to Pittsburgh this week. And I know you and I have a very, very strong opinion on that game. Yeah, I mean, I've seen that all week. That line opened anywhere at like five, five and a half. Now I'm seeing it three and a half, four in some places. And the Steelers are 2-0, public perception on the Steelers, and I think it's fair and it's justified. They're one of the better teams in the league. Houston, let's also be aware of the fact, Jared, they've taken on, in my opinion, the two best teams in football. They took on the Baltimore Ravens, and they took on the Kansas City Chiefs. So I look at that right out of the gate, and I'm not the biggest Bill O'Brien guy. I'm not the biggest Houston Texan guy. But I think there's a reason why this line has kind of moved the way that it has. I agree. And I think just, you know, and I, I'm in, in the same ilk in terms of how I feel about Bill O'Brien and kind of the way they handled the off season and, and how he's handled, you know, his, his tenure uh, with the Texans. So, but the fact that you're able to identify those kind of underlying trends and kind of see beneath it, despite your, our obvious bias towards Bill O'Brien shows that the Texans are a side that definitely needs to be considered here. Uh, and I think the, the answer is Deshaun Watson. And I think in the past, you, you have seen some, some of the mobile quarterbacks give this Pittsburgh defense a little bit of trouble. And I do think this is a good spot for Houston based on the line movement and based on what we're seeing in the marketplace for them to kind of be undervalued here. So, I, I, and again, that doesn't mean that, you know, Houston's going to win or cover this game. But I think when you're looking at the 0-2 trend, I think that game is the one game that really stands out to me where that trend, I think, holds a little bit of water. All right, Jay, we're going to take the Texans out of it. So I have a list of teams right now that are 0-2 against the spread. Texans are one of those teams. Jets are another. Browns, Titans, Cowboys, Eagles, Lions, Vikings, and Panthers. If there is another team that you would be eyeing up this week in their particular matchup, who from that group catches your eye? I, I mean, the obvious choice is Philly. But I, I, think, I think Dallas stands out to me a little bit. I'll be honest. I, I do think Dallas stands out a little bit. Uh, I, I think their offense is going to be able to move the ball against the Seattle secondary. I do. And I think they've got a big matchup edge on the outside uh, with, their, with their three really stud receivers. And I think week three now of this offense, new head coach, new system, you're going to see it incrementally get better every week. And listen, they, I mean, I know it was Atlanta, but they were moving the ball pretty good at the end of that game. And, and, and I think they're going to have success. Now, can you stop Russell Wilson? I think the answer to that question remains to be seen. But you're still getting five. And I think another key factor here is the, the 12th man is not going to be in existence for this game. And I think that is a factor for a lot of these Seattle home games now over the next few weeks when you get some of these big offenses that come in there and can spread it out and don't have to worry about, you know, 70,000 screaming Seahawks fans. So I think Dallas can keep up with Seattle this week. I think that's the one that's 0-2 ATS that, that probably has, has a little bit of trend value for me. My buddy Jared Smith, check him out over at Sports Grid, talking about these 0-2 teams against the number 0-2 teams overall. How about a battle of 2-0 teams? You got the Rams 
and the Buffalo Bills. And I think this line, Jared, is spot on right now. Mm. I think the Bills should be a three-point favorite over L.A. I think the Rams a smidge better. But again, this is a team that's now going to the East Coast second week in a row. I'm seeing the line at two. This will not be a game that I play, Jared. But if I had to make a play in this game, I like L.A. in this spot. I, I agree, and, and this is why I like L.A. So, and, and this is the league that it is now, and this is why I'm, I'm a little bit down on the Saints, which we can get into them a little later. But the reason that I'm high on the Rams and the Bills is because of the, the, the accuracy that these quarterbacks have throwing the ball down the field and putting pressure on the defense and stretching good defenses out. The Rams and the Bills both have very good defenses, and I think both of those defenses are going to be considerably taxed this weekend having to defend the deep threats. Now, Goff leads the entire league in catchable passes thrown 20 yards or more downfield. Josh Allen's fifth. So these guys know how to pick apart defenses down the field. Now, the one thing for the, for the Bills this week is we don't know the status of Brown. That's kind of the, the, the key. John Brown, of course, a little banged up this week. So that puts their offense maybe at a little bit of a disadvantage and maybe gives a little bit more of the edge to L.A. But to me, Jared Goff really has taken a step forward. And, and you know, that stat really is evident of that. I think the type of league that it's become, if you don't have a quarterback who can stretch the field, it's going to make it hard for you to win in the trenches as well. You have to be able to do both these days, it feels like. And I think the Rams can do both because they're good in the trenches as well. So it, to me, that's where L.A. is very, very dangerous. And I think Buffalo is dangerous as well. Josh Allen's very dangerous as well. I think Allen's a little bit more dynamic with his legs, so he can maybe make up for losing a guy like John Brown. But I, I do think the Rams have the edge in this, especially if you're getting two. If you're getting three and you want to buy the buy it, that I think that's probably the best play for the Rams. So Rams in the over is certainly a good angle here. Jared, I told you Monday night it was all of the Oakland Raiders or the Vegas Raiders. I got to make sure I get it right. It's like <laughs> oh, the I did San that Diego Chargers. Uh, I'm probably going to do that 10 zillion it, it, times throughout the course natural. of this year. So I uh, might as well get it out of my system now. But anyway, sure. listen, the Raiders were good to me Monday night. They ended up yeah. covering the number. They won the game outright. Big performance against New Orleans. Now, short week, emotional win. They got to go to Gillette to take on the Patriots off of a loss. Does this have mm. a letdown spot? written all over it for the Raiders. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, Bill Belichick, you know, he was wearing that ridiculous, you know, sweatshirt this week with the holes in it. But trust me, he was, he, he, he's going to be drawing something up for this very banged up Vegas O-line, which is very banged up. And I don't think New Orleans really took advantage of it because they really didn't have a chance to because by the time it was too late, you know, it was just, you know, they were playing from so far behind in that game. But the Vegas O-line's pretty banged up and they rank dead last in, in opposing third down conversion, which is always an important stat that I look at for defenses coming in on a short week, JJ, because to me that tells me that they're getting off the field. And on a short week, I want my defense to be able to get off the field. And, and Vegas has struggled with that this year. And I, I, do think, I do think New England is going to draw up a really good defensive game plan coming off of one of their worst defensive weeks in, I mean, maybe the Belichick era. I mean, they got absolutely torched last week. And I, I definitely think they are going to play an inspired effort. Cam Newton, speaking of, you know, the, the, the Josh Allen, uh, Jared Goff theme of throwing downfield, third highest rate of catchable passes, 20 yards or more downfield. So Cam Newton is becoming a deep ball. Now, I know it's very small sample size early in the year, but you have to like what you've seen from Cam. And I think another week in the offense, again, new system, new quarterback, week three now, short week against a team that has struggled to protect the quarterback and has struggled to get off the field on third downs. It definitely has the feeling of a New England bounce back spot. 
All right, Jared, let's get to New Orleans. You're obviously concerned as they return home. They take on a 2-0 Packer team, a Packer team, quite frankly, Jared, that I picked against each of the last two weeks. I still don't know what you make of Green Bay, but I'd be very concerned with what I saw with Drew Brees on Monday night. That is not the same offense without Michael Thomas. So I think there are going to be a whole lot of people on Sunday night. Everybody's watching that game, rushing in a window, trying to get money on Rodgers, plus money, plus points. Yeah, and, and that's the public spot of, of the week for sure. But, I mean, listen, there, there is, there is some, 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 you know, evidence to back it up. I mean, the, the stat that jumped out to me, JJ, and you kind of mentioned it a little bit, Drew Brees is 0 of 8 on passes thrown 15 yards or more down the field in the first two weeks of the season. He has not, not even 20. 20 is usually the benchmark of like a deep pass. He hasn't even completed one 15. And I'm sorry, but in today's NFL, you are not winning a lot of games if you cannot put any pressure on the defense more than 15 yards down the field. I mean, these defenses are so fast. They're so quick. They're so well-schemed. If all you have to do is stop what's in front of you, 10, 15 yards, I mean, it's, it's like child's play. And they're going to run into some really good defenses this year that's going to exploit that. I don't know if the Packers are that, and that's why this spot might not be the you know, lockdown Green Bay you know, to the bank spot. But I will say I am very impressed with what I've seen from Aaron Rodgers, the offensive efficiency. The Packers the first-ranked offensive efficiency in football. Saints are balanced, though, and that's what I like about New Orleans, and that's why I think they can cover up some of those inefficiencies that Drew Brees presents because they're a a balanced team, 11th-ranked offense, 15th-ranked defense. They can do a lot of different things. They've got an ironclad scheme with Sean Payton. It's like an Ocean's Eleven robbing the Vegas casino scheme. Like Everyone thinks they're going one way, and they're always going the other way. But Drew Brees is a problem. At some point, that's going to cost them a game or two, and it kind of cost them one the other night. But this is a a tough game to pick. I I would lean Saints just because they're getting fans back. It's a home spot. Everyone's going to be on the Packers. But – Man, oh, man, it's really tough to back breeze with, with those types of inefficiencies throwing the ball down the field. Our buddy Jared Smith over at Sports Grid getting you ready for week three across the board in the NFL. Jared, I'm not going to bother with the Jets and the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> I know your feelings there. Let's get to the other local, the Giants. They've played hard in both games. Yeah. They are 0-2. They covered their game last week against Chicago. No Saquon Barkley. He's done for the year. But on the flip side, the Niners are missing just about everybody. I'm not even going to run through the laundry list of injuries. I find this to be an incredibly tough game to handicap. My sense says second week in a row for the Niners here on the East Coast. Giants would have stayed a desperation. If I had a play, I'd probably take the Giants plus the points. But then again, the Giants have started off, it feels like 0-5 and 1-6 and and every year. So I have hesitation there. Where are you leaning with the Giants and the Niners? I, I think your, your read is spot on. The one thing I'll say about the Jets, anyone with a pulse is going to be staying away from Jets games for the rest of the season. That's the one thing that I'll say about the Jets going forward. But the Giants, I, I think they have a pulse. And, and I think the pulse is their defense, honestly. They've got the seventh most efficient defense in football right now. And again, very early sample size with these you know, analytics that we like to look at. But those are numbers that kind of point you in a direction that they're probably playing a little bit better on defense than maybe it appears, or at least the public narrative is kind of giving you. And I do think that they can be an effective offense without Saquon Barkley, JJ. I mean, I don't think the loss of Saquon Barkley means Daniel Jones just, you know, disappears. I think the offensive line has to play well, and I think Daniel has to continue to progress 
they have some weapons. I think Evan Ingram is, is waiting to burst out. And I think Darius Slayton has emerged into a nice little deep threat. They have guys who can make plays. They have to protect Daniel Jones, and, and, and Daniel has to, of course, get them the football. On the other side of the ball, it, I don't know what we're getting from the Niners right now, and that's what makes this game really tough to bet. It, you know, they do feel, it feels like they're very road-weary, but then again, they could come out and play really peed off about this MetLife turf or all the other stuff that they felt has been going against them over the last few days. You know, they feel like they're a down luck, you know, backs against the wall team because they're, you know, their entire team is in the hospital. But it, it, is, it, it is a tough spot to bet because of the uncertainty with the injuries. I don't know what's going on with the turf. That, I know this has been an issue for years in MetLife, but that's just, it just seems like there's always something going on in the Meadowlands, JJ. I don't know what it is about the Meadowlands, man. Every, it's like every year there's like a curse out there or something it's getting funky all right Jared, yeah before we get funky with your best bets of the week mm. we gotta hit on what to me is the game of the week and honestly it might be the game or one of the games of the year in the nfl and that's kansas city taking on baltimore it's great that this is a standalone game obviously the executives at espn are going to be very very happy that they have this one yeah. and it's a game i think a lot of people thought we were going to get in the afc title game last year Tennessee Titans had other plans. Are you surprised because of, you know, how much people love to go and bet the Kansas City Chiefs that this line has moved in the direction of the Baltimore Ravens? Has that caught you off guard a bit? No, but I think that shows where the market's moving. And, and you know, sometimes the public doesn't always dictate the market, which is the great thing about these betting markets. You know, there's so many books and there's so many you know shops that each shop kind of gives you a different sense of where things are kind of going and i think some of the sharp books out in vegas once they started to move this line towards baltimore which happened very early in the week despite the fact that yes most of the tickets are on kansas city then yeah i think that kind of that kind of pushed the winds of where these markets were going to blow and i think a lot of the other books kind of followed because once a book like, you know, the super book or one of those books out in Vegas starts pushing this line towards three. And then you get juice on the three, you know, it's not going to get underneath that barring some kind of injury or some kind of, you know, unforeseen for circumstance over the next couple of days, that'll tilt us in the other direction. So I think once the market started to move towards Baltimore it was obvious, that's where the sharps were pointing. I think the sharps are very clear where they are in this game, Baltimore and the over. I mean, it's very obvious based on the movement we saw very early in the week. And Baltimore, it's worthy, JJ. I mean, Baltimore, we, we talk about this a lot. There's not a lot of teams in the NFL, and Baltimore's the only one, top five in offensive and defensive efficiency, fifth in offense, third in defense. No other team is even in the top 10 of both. So Baltimore's in the top five of both. No other even team has the top 10 in both categories. Kansas City has really struggled defensively, and I think that's where they're probably going to get out of sorts in this game. They're going to be behind the chains a lot. I think they're going to be behind in the game a lot. And that's where Patrick Mahomes thrives. But I, I think Baltimore might be a little too much for them in this spot. All right, Jared. Now it's time, my friend. Week three, best bets. What will be on your card? What do you love here? I really, I do like the Texans a lot this week. I think this is a really good spot for them. I, I think this is a dog week, JJ. We have talked about uh, the kind of discrepancy with the odds. The favorites winning so many games straight up, but only covering seven out of the 14 last week. I think you're starting to see the lines compress a little bit. I'm leaning a lot of dogs this week. Texans are right at the top of the card. So are the Rams. So are the Giants. So are the Cowboys. Those are the four dogs that I really like this week. And then I'm going to give you a money line parlay uh, on the favorite side because I, I don't like to, to, to lay a lot of uh, spread, a lot of points with this. But we'll go Pat's Bucks money line parlay. 
Pats and Bucks money line parlay. So basically, we'll your Ryan with all New England right now, who's rooting basically. for Cam and is yeah. also rooting for Tom Brady at the same time. <laughs> Jared, any concern of Brady's past history in Denver with that money line parlay, or you throw that yeah. out the window? But I'll be honest with you, I just don't like what I saw in Denver, and I, I just, it, to me, Denver's missing a lot of key pieces. And they're, they're, I think injuries at this stage has been clearly the factor. And Denver's just missing too many key pieces in, in, in too many big spots. I do like what I saw from K.J. Hamler, though. He's a name to watch on your fantasy team. You want to pick him up a little bit. or a little prop market action this week. That's a name that I think has popped off a little bit to me. But I think Tampa Bay's defense is very underrated with, with our buddy Todd Bowles there at the helm. They're a top five defensive efficiency unit so far this season. And I, I think the Bucs are getting better every week. This is going to turn into a – I think the Bucs are about to tilt the scales in the NFC South over the next three to four weeks. Jared, outstanding work. We will chat next week. Let's make it a winning week. All right, pal? Love it, brother. Good stuff there from our buddy Jared Smith. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.